You're listening to highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Aaron Dorgan. To listen to the full interview or hear more about the Creative Process projects, please visit www.creativeprocess.info. And then you also wrote the entrepreneurial artist, which to lessons from history as well, contemporary from history. Yes, absolutely. And so that a little less on the administrator side there, it's really practicing entrepreneurial artists. And so what I wanted to try and do was to take um, examples from different disciplines and show really delve into the story of someone who is a practicing successful entrepreneur. So, you know, and then build a chapter around them. So there's a chapter um, based on, uh, you know, that focuses on musical theater. And so I interviewed Lin-Manuel Miranda and delved into it. One on theater, Jeff Daniels, jazz, Wynton Marsalis, et cetera, you know, um, conducting Marin Alsop, et cetera. The list goes on. Uh, dance, Bill T. Jones. And so what um, I think a, a reader of the book is able to get from that is not only this sense of here are these very specific best practices, entrepreneurial um, approaches and tactics that I could utilize and learn from, but also, wow, here's just this extraordinary story of a human being. Um, who I either might want to emulate or has reached a level of success in an area that I, interests me. And I get to kind of hear a little more about their story and, and, and the challenges they faced. And, you know, speaking of, you know, you know one of the major goals of uh, the Sphinx organization, or speaking of, like uh, you mentioned, Lynn manuel Miranda, I mean, you listen to his life story, basically he had a, you know, or some of the other, I mean, so many artists, they have to, for, they have to make the productions for the things that they're not seeing. They're not seeing roles. He's not seeing roles for Latino, Latinx, uh, you know, uh, and, and other, and other, I'm just his own background, I mean. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so one of the interesting things that definitely cuts across all of the, the, um, if you will, the cast who I, who I bring to light and illuminate in the book, um, is that there are some people who see things that either don't exist in the world or ways that they feel the world is wrong and they complain about it. And they say, well, this is just terrible and or they blame others and or they chastise other people for what they're either doing or not doing. And then there are those who look at those things that they don't like in the world or they feel are absent in the world, and they take on the responsibility to do something about it themselves. And that's what entrepreneurial artists do, like Lin-Manuel, like um, you know, uh, Jeff Daniels. They, they see something and they're like, there's something lacking here, so can I start my own theater? Can I create my own musical story? can I find a way to lead or to make the world a little bit better and not just be a casual observer who complains, but an active participant who makes So 
uh, I, I, this is a broader question about um, classical music or musical education and accessibility to, to, to all, to, uh, to diverse, uh, to diverse uh, young people, uh, but to, to all because there's the you know huge cuts in arts funding, and it's it's distressing because it, it's not just a musical education. There's so many things I think, and you can speak more about this about cooperation, collaboration, and listening and working with others that can be carried over to many other disciplines. I mean, so arts education, I think, is a critical component. I'm obviously a strong advocate for from STEM to STEAM, uh, adding the arts to the regular STEM uh, fields that we want to focus on in, in education. Um, there's a congressional caucus focused on STEM to STEAM. Uh, and, and that's because this this accessibility, the exposure to arts at a young age, we know affects so many different aspects of a young person's life. Um, and so we see an impact on, on overall youth development. We see an impact on other um, academics, uh, you know, students who are, you know, in music do better in math, you know, all of those types of tie-ins. But for me, while there are all of those, and so it just makes sense from a broader educational youth development perspective to include the arts, um, I think that the driving reason should be the arts themselves. Um, when we empower young people to be able to use artistic mediums to express themselves, to share about the things that they see in the world around them, it develops those skill sets. And as a society, we need the arts. Um, it is how we express ourselves to one another. Um, there is a reason why humankind has been art making um, since you know, our beginning. Um, it is critical to kind of who we are and to the human condition. And um, I think our society has a responsibility to nurture that in young people, to help develop the training, the discipline, so that our art making is not just kind of a random uh, thing that only pops up here or there, but is something that is nurtured, thought about, and strategically utilized by our society to further ourselves, to further our tolerance of one another, our understanding of one another, and our own, you know, um, human evolution. Uh, you've done uh, a spoken word piece um, on um, George Floyd. What is the name of this? Yeah, uh, so we, we entitled it Breathe um, for a, a very critically important reason, um, which is that um, obviously this was a tragedy and I think that one of the things we feel driven to do as artists is to try to speak to tragedies that occur through our art. So um, I'm a spoken word artist, that's kind of my primary performing artist medium. And so when the uh, body cam transcript came out from the officer's body cam um, who murdered George Floyd, um, I was deeply struck by the um, inhumanity and, and just the process of his murder. And I felt like the video shared that in ways that were devastating uh, to so many of us, but that George Floyd's own words spoke to 
um, what had occurred. And, um, and so I took the last 345 words that he spoke and I scored them with um, a sonata by Florence Price, uh, African-American uh, composer, and, um, and create a piece. And then uh, Michelle Kahn uh, and I uh, performed that piece and, uh, and released a video of it where we include imagery, uh, not of ourselves, but of all of the resulting impact from the loss of George Floyd. So we show the imagery of all of the different protests that were directly in response to this event, which we're trying to evoke. Um, and um, obviously, I think many people will get different things out of it. One of our hopes is that, um, you know, we already see that people seem to be moving on as we do from any tragedy. And uh, we don't want people to move on. We want to, we make sure that people remember that this occurred, understand how it occurred, so that we keep working to ensure that it does not happen again. Um, because this type of brutality, unfortunately, does keep happening again. And so sometimes when you can capture something through the arts or depict it through the arts, it sometimes can resonate with people in a way that will propel action, um, will propel um, remembrance, will propel um, a, uh, an, an ongoing commitment to make sure that something like this uh, just won't occur again. Uh, so we release that and, uh, and people can uh, see it on, uh, on Facebook.